Hi guys, here we go. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, episodes two and three. What are your feelings about this series so far? I am convinced that this is very much sat at the action thriller buddy cop type end of the Marvel out output. I mean, it's a very different prospect to WandaVision. And I've noticed a few comments from people saying that they're not enjoying it as much as WandaVision. And I, I do think this is much more of a, I mean, I hate to be gender specific, but it's a bit more of a boy's own uh, teenage boy. I could well imagine that when I was about 12 or 13, I'd have really relished this, whereas I would have found WandaVision a bit too kooky and a bit too kind of bizarre for my liking. The Star Spangled Man is the title of episode two. The most significant part of episode two for me was the introduction of Walker, who's become this Captain America stand-in. Now, obviously, for advocates and aficionados of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this will all be known to you probably from the comic books and all that. Um, I'm just responding literally to what I see in this series uh, with a with a very patchy comprehension of the whole uh, nuanced details of Captain America and his relationships with Winter Soldier and all that kind of stuff. I'm reacting to this as a series that's landed on, on Disney+, Plus, which I want to watch without having to go back and watch everything else. And it's not disappointing me. I think there's a lot that's really good in this. I, I think it's fascinating that we have a stand-in Captain America and what that means for him in terms of his masculinity and his authority. Uh, and I think the guy playing him is, is really good. I mean, he looks like, you know, the proper sort of American hero. And yet I'm feeling at the back of this, the inference or the suggestion that, you know, Anthony Mackie or the Falcon has, has missed out on something here. Has he been overlooked? Is there that sort of background competitive feeling between the two of them? Obviously, Anthony Mackie was given the shield and, uh, you know, Walker is now the kind of newly anointed Captain America. So I thought, I liked the beginning of this episode where he was in the locker rooms um, and, you know, there was a really beautifully executed, I thought, music with the with the fanfare of the cheerleaders and the, and the, and the band players on the football pit, American football pitch as he appeared on Good Morning America. I really liked all that. There's something about the quality of the way in which these Marvel series are shot. It's beautiful camera, luscious colours, primary colours, very comic book. And so, you know, this is one of those episodes where essentially, you know, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they head off on a mission. Uh, Sebastian Stan invites himself. He sort of jumps on a huge airplane and they throw themselves out of airplanes and they land. And they try to kind of intercept or, 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 or you know, challenge the Flag Smashers. And what a brilliant name that is, the Flag Smashers, which is this group of youngsters or a group of people, I mean, we discovered they're super soldiers, uh, that were causing havoc. Do you remember at the end of episode one, and I chose to think that one of them was going to be Tom Hardy. They almost looked a bit Bane-like, you know, from uh, from Batman. We find ourselves in this really embellished uh, fight battle on the top of these trucks. Now, again, these kind of things aren't normally the kind of things that f sort of fry my onions when I'm, I'm watching this stuff. I, I, I prefer kind of conflict interiorised. I'm not a big fan. Sometimes I find the action fights can get a bit too busy. And so you're struggling actually to even see how cleverly orchestrated and choreographed they are. I thought this was brilliant. I thought this was really good. And I really liked the fact that our heroes in the form of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier were struggling, that the Flag Smashers were seriously strong. And then you had this added complication brought in where Walker and his right-hand man, so the new Captain America and his right-hand man, they come in to help Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They struggle too. Added into all of this, we discover in this episode that the leader of the Flag Smashers is in fact a young woman. 
And I think that's a really nice inversion of gender politics. So you've got this incredibly strong, obviously they've had this super soldier serum, which we're going to discover more about in episode three. Um, and these Flag Smashers, I was just reading up about them, the Flag Smashers are a group that feel that life was better during the blip. So this is all connecting back to that blip, Thanos's click of the fingers, uh, click of the thumb, uh, and the way in which half of uh, everyone uh, just vanished. I'm getting vibes from the Flag Smashers that they're a sort of Robin Hood outfit, that they might be a force for a perceived sense of malevolence and villainy, and yet, in a weird way, are they looking for, do they have their own mission that perhaps in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing? It's that thing of, you know, what one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. And I think they're playing with that. Part of their kind of mission is also to kind of remove national borders and all that kind of stuff. So they're looking for a sort of holistic approach to all nations. I had one particularly powerful scene in this, I thought, from a race politics, I thought, um, was really powerful. When they went to meet Isaiah, who was a soldier who was fighting in Korea, uh, and I believe fought against um, the Winter Soldier. And his fury, he was obviously one of the very first super soldiers. And I loved this moment where they were sort of essentially told to get out because they were hope going to him to hopefully get some more information and sort of advice on, on, on what the super, you know, the super soldier serum. He doesn't want to help them. Um, and he shouts at them, it's an incredibly powerful scene. And then when, they, when they're thrown out of the house by him, Anthony Mackie sort of says, you know, the Falcon says, what are you telling me? That there was a black super soldier and none of us ever heard about him? And again, so they're lacing in this idea of white privilege within the superhero franchise. And I think that's a really strong device and a strong message. There's also one other really nice scene where um, Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier, is, is essentially, just after this, arrested because he's not turned up for one of his uh, therapy sessions. But the, the deal to get him out of prison is that they have to, him and the Falcon have to go into some kind of almost couples counselling. And I thought it was a really funny scene. I really liked it. It's in the trailers. It was a really witty, boyzone blokey. And I think this series is at its richest when you're getting this kind of buddy movie quipping and then out-quipping and out-quipping each other between, you know, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. And you can really feel them getting into the groove and feeling that relationship, a sort of love-hate relationship, though it's a sort of hate-hate relationship, but they just can't seem to leave each other. And then, of course, you've got this added strand where Walker, the new Captain America, is anyone else with me on this? I feel like he's, he, is he going to become a force for bad? Is he going to become, in his desire to sort of compete almost with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is he going to make mistakes? Are we going to see a darker side to him? I mean, that's my feeling. And then, of course, at the end of this episode, we have Helmet Zemo introduced. And so there's the suggestion that they're going to go to Zemo uh, and, 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 and sort of, you know, drill into his knowledge of the uh, super soldier serum and all this kind of stuff. You know, and Zemo obviously is played by uh, Daniel Brühl, who is a brilliant actor. He goes all the way back for me to uh, Goodbye Lenin. He was also an Inglorious Bastards as well with Tarantino. So we've got this sort of arch villain being brought back in at the end of episode two. Then episode three, episode three, you've got this brilliant sort of opening scene where essentially there's a prison breakout for Zemo. Okay, the believability of it is, is a bit, is a bit 
thin, but it's a way of getting, getting him out. And again, it's that twisted loyalties. You know, this once villain is now going to be working potentially with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, to try and stop these flag smashers, these super soldiers. And then there's a scene, one of my favourite scenes so far, actually, or favourite settings so far in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was a trip to Madripoor where they're, they're walking across this bridge. And so you've got these un this unlikely threesome now of the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and Zemo. And Madripoor was giving me all sorts of Blade Runner vibes. I was getting a sort of real sense of grown-upness again. This is this, these, these moments in these uh, Disney series are making me realise that, as I've said before, around Cruella, the trailer reaction, that Disney's becoming a bit of a naughty teenager, isn't it? It's kind of growing up. I mean, the other thing I'd like to say is that when people die in this, they properly die. They get stabbed. They're not like stormtroopers just being blasted. They get stabbed. They die. There's some fight scenes in episode three where you can clearly see people getting stabbed and uh, hurt and killed. Um, so they head off into Madripoor and there's this wonderfully intense scene where they meet this villain, this, is it Selby? Again, played by a British actress. Every time I hear a British accent, I do jar a little bit. I sort of, I, I blanch because it, it feels, sometimes the British accent can, can feel so unfictional. It always sounds like a documentary voice, a British voice sometimes. But she was great. And it, in a weird way, I felt a little bit like I did about, is it Snake? Snape? Snape, what's his name in uh, in um, the Last Jedi? That great Snook, what was his name? The great big sort of skull thing. I felt they threw away a brilliant villain. I thought Selby, she was, she really was got under the skin, and she was villainous, and she was horrible, and she and she and she was in this sort of you know strangely David Lynchian space with velvet curtains and neon lights and all that. I really like that. Anyway, though, that scene develops. And then Sharon, a character called Sharon Carter, who obviously is from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and she was in the Captain America films. I have to confess, not particularly au fait with her history. And then to be honest with you, the, the, the latter half of this episode, episode three for me, kind of, I, I felt the lack of my intimacy with... Um, with the previous films and Captain America and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Wakanda comes in. There are Wakanda tracking dev devices that he kind of he stumbles across. We've got the Flag Smashers, or a, a storage facility in Lithuania. Um, and I, for me, I if I'm honest, for me, towards the end of this episode, I started to lose interest a bit. For me, the, end, the last 10 minutes of this episode began to feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And me and Maddie started Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it quite quickly became what we felt was just another sort of fast turnaround TV series. And for me, if there was a weak point in the three episodes so far, because I've, I've been kind of invested in this, it was the point at which kind of Sharon Carter became involved uh, and they were kind of dealing with that scientist who had, you know, was involved with the kind of serum being developed. And he felt like he was playing God. I mean, he was a good character. And then Zemo comes in and kills him. And then, you know, I felt they could have just, I suppose we're going to get a bit more of split loyalties, shifting loyalties. I kept expecting Zemo to kind of run off and leave them, but they're, they're, they're pulling together. Um, and then we have obviously Walker and Captain America. Captain America is about 85 steps behind the narrative. They're on their tail, so you've got them hunting the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I guess that's the narrative, isn't it? You've got Captain America chasing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so our stars are kind of like renegades and are sort of 
anti-heroes in their own way, but they've had to even incorporate another anti-hero in Zemo. And then you've got the Flag Smashers, who are the villains, but are they the villains? Are they the villains? Or are they fighting for a fairer world or a fairer? What are they? I mean, I, I still can't quite get a grip on what the Flag Smashers are. But if I'm honest, the end of this show, as I say, felt a bit more like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I, and I want it to be dragged back to something that surprises me. Or, or, or wrong foots me a bit more. For more film and family fun, don't forget to click the subscribe button and make sure to click the bell to never miss an update.